0: In an environment where we see God at work, and to work with such a wonderful, capable, gifted staff, and we we uh, sometimes we just step back and we see the Holy Spirit break in and do things that we could never have done on our own. And Philip, thank you for sharing that. I remember when Philip he he, he had written those words and he wrote the music, and then he said, "I want you to hear it," and uh, and so I went in in his study where he has a keyboard there and, um, and, and he, he sang that uh, to me just as, as we sang it today and uh, it was just so refreshing to be in this place, to be in an environment where God is at work and where we can be creative and then over on your right you see Beth Torres uh, as she took some of the, the thoughts of altars in the Bible and created this wonderful imagery that we have to experience during the series. And we're just praying that God will enable us to do some uh, other really wonderful, creative, um, inspirational inspirational uh, movements during this uh, message series. Uh, we're going to begin today reading from the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to look at the fifth chapter, verses 21 through 26. The version we're using this morning is Eugene Peterson's The Message version of the Bible. And the words will be on the screen. It'll be a little different from what you have in your traditional uh, translation. But if you have your Bible app, you can click on the message version and follow along as well. Hear the words of Jesus from the message. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother, idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral act is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter a place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Or, say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him or her. After all, if you leave the first move to them, knowing their track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Philip shared a few moments ago, I typically over the years have gone away two to three times per year to do long-range sermon planning. I create some personal devotional worship space during those times and and then um, and when I I sense that my mind is right my heart is right then I start thinking uh, about what uh, God would want me to preach over the course of the next months and on this particular day in May I was ready to go to the seminary library it's up in Ginner Park the Union Presbyterian Seminary some of you know where that's located and uh, the first day, I had set apart two days, the first day, I had a crisis situation that, that came up with someone, and it took a good portion of my morning, and I, I, I wasn't even in the right frame of mind, and I went to the library, and I don't know about you, you might have times like this, but I just really struggled, and I felt, I felt just so unproductive, and, uh, and so at the, at the end of the afternoon, I just put my things away, and, and I went on home. I got some things done, but not nearly what I had hoped to, to accomplish. So the next morning, I said, I'm going to start out with some, some coffee. So maybe that will help get me inspired. So I, uh, I go down, I think it's that away. I go down Midlothian Pike to the Starbucks across from Chesterfield Town Center. And I go in and I get me a venti, a big, tall coffee. Get in the car, and I'm getting ready to leave, to head up to the Poway, to go up to the seminary. And my phone rang. And it was some of the same situation that I had dealt with yesterday. I was like, oh, okay. So I sat there, and about 30 minutes, and things were at a good space, so I was able to to head on up to the library. But I was frustrated. Sometimes you get like that. And as I was traveling up the road, this Spirit just poured over me. The Holy Spirit of God just poured over me. And I started to, to hear the word, Bob, just worship me. Worship, worship me. Worship me at the altar. Worship me. And it, it was really the only thing I thought of as I was driving up there to the seminary. So I got out of the car and my things together, went into the little study room that I use, got my, put my things down, and it was as if the Spirit just poured out all of these thoughts. So I got a one of those markers you can see the picture I took a picture of it and just wrote down all of the thoughts that I had had and they centered on worship they centered on the altar of God and then I, I stepped back and I started to see this pattern emerge and in the middle of the board you can't really see it too well but in the middle of the board was the text that we have before us today what did Jesus say about the altar Start with Jesus, Bob, start with Jesus, because he mentioned that word altar when he said, if, if there's something that somebody has against you, leave your offering there at the altar and go be reconciled to them and then come back and bring, my, bring your gift to the altar. And so I, I sensed that we wanted to, God wanted me to start with Jesus and then to explore other passages throughout Scripture where we find altars, And I'm excited about this series, and I hope that you'll be here to journey through it with us. And uh, we're going to hear the the same piece of music that Philip shared a little earlier throughout uh, the series. So what does Jesus mean when he says the word altar in the Sermon on the Mount? Remember that the context of this passage where Jesus is teaching about being reconciled to others who may have something against you, is found in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus was, was surrounded by his, his disciples and then many, many people, crowds of people around Him. And He's teaching a new way of living, a, a mandate that Christians, as we they weren't called Christians then, but we as Christians are, are to live differently. We're to have a different way of approaching life. And some of the things that Jesus said were totally upside down or revolutionary uh, according to the beliefs that Jewish people would have had in the day. Jesus, He said things like if you even are angry with your brother, it is the same as murder. Or He says, if you even look at a woman lustfully, it's as if you have committed adultery. And using hyperbole or exaggerating something to a a great extreme to make a point with those who were listening to him and they got his attention i remember some years ago uh, in my former church somebody came up to me at the door as we were uh, greeting one another and they said pastor my feet hurt and uh, and i said well how, how can i pray for you and they said, no, 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 um, you stepped on my toes all through the message, right? And so Jesus is stepping on the toes of those who are hearing what he's saying. And often I'm preaching to myself, and, and my, my toes hurt too. And, and so what we're talking about today, uh, reconciling our differences with one another, is uh, of paramount importance and it has all to do with our heart for worship. We've heard stories about how people have grudges who, have, who harbor bitterness and who will not forgive and who will say things like, I'm not going to do anything. and It's their responsibility. They need to take the first step. I'm not budging. Some of us have been in those very situations or have said things like that. And this text uh, quite honestly teaches us that it's the opposite. But our world today does not do such a great job of working out our differences. In fact, we're more apt to put it out on social media so everybody else can see it as opposed to dealing with a a person one-on-one. An example is in my own community message board. Somebody posted how they were all up in arms because the students that lived near them were playing basketball at night and it was too loud and keeping them up. And the same person complained that another teenager was practicing their drums too early in the morning. And I don't know if they went one-on-one or not, but they put that out on social media. And and, and what, what good does that do? And then this is a tangent just from Pastor Bob. I'm like, I'd much rather have my teenager out in the driveway playing hoops at night or practicing the drum in the morning than somewhere else. Is that easy? Right. There are better ways that we can use and Jesus is, is helping us with that. Uh, sometimes people will complain about the barking dog or the unkempt yard and will get into a big fuss with their neighbor and they will not reconcile. I, I read I a, 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 I didn't read this story in the news. This is a story from one of my pastor friends that I've known for a long time. This is a true story. He said that at their small church, the accompanist would bring her dog to choir practice on Wednesday nights. It was a sweet little dog. Well... The choir was not so happy. Some of them were not so happy that the dog came to choir practice, but they lived with it. Well, one night during choir practice, the dog left a gift on the floor in the sanctuary, and it nearly split the church. The choir was all up in arms. They had a special called business meeting to deal with the dog and people were i mean really up in arms and mean to each other because of poo on the sanctuary floor now whether that's right or wrong they got to figure it out but there are healthy ways that we can reconcile our differences this is one i read in the news just this past week it it uh, happened in drummond's tennessee a dispute between neighbors left one man to take heavy machinery to his neighbor's home and destroy it, according to Tipton County Sheriff's Department. The house you see on the screen uh, was uh, owned uh, by a man named Edgar. Well, his neighbor John alleged that Edgar's employees were dressed in camouflage and trespassed on his property. So John, the man named John Rigdon actually fired a gun at them. Thankfully, he missed well, Edgar pressed charges and had John put in jail. While John was in jail, Edgar got a backhoe and destroyed John's home. And it's sad. This is not supposed. This this is supposed to be made up stuff, but this is real. It happened. The news report was uh, September fifth, is when it was published. There are better ways for people to reconcile their differences. We have a better way—the Jesus way. The Jesus, Jesus's teachings at the sermon in the Sermon on the Mount help us to understand how we can reconcile our differences, how resentment and conflict can mushroom into and completely destroy our relationships. This leads us into a key thought that we can employ, understand, and then employ some steps toward reconciliation. The key thought is fractured relationships break the heart of God. They just do. God desires that we love one another, that we love Him and that we love one another, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And fractured relationships break the heart of God. Sometimes it wasn't your doing, but at the end of the day, fractured relationships bring tears to God. So here are a few steps that we can employ and I believe it has all to do with our heart for worship take the initiative the first one is take the initiative as you heard Eugene Peterson say sometimes we have to take that first step he says don't lose a minute make the first move take that first step don't wait on the other person do you remember the story of of the loving father also known as the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 This is a story where the younger son, there's an older brother, the younger son goes to the father and says, I would like my share of the inheritance. And the father graciously gives it to him. And then the younger son takes the money and goes to a faraway country and squanders it on wild living and then comes to his senses. And he's in a pigsty and he's wishing that he had the food that the pigs ate. And then he comes to his senses and he takes the initiative to reconcile with his father. In verse, in chapter 15, verse 17, when the young man, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. He took the initiative. He took that first step. And his father is the image of God in the story. And his father was waiting for, with him for open arms, had never given up on looking for his lost son, and threw a party when he came home. Second, sometimes when we take that first step, it may not bring the fruit that we hope. Sometimes the person we are wanting to reconcile with is a toxic individual. Be aware of toxic persons and use your good judgment. Sometimes reconciliation can't happen between the two people because you put yourself in harm's way. So that reconciliation can be brought about through God's help with a good counselor or therapist and some spiritual counsel through a pastor or other Minister, So just know that not every relationship can be reconciled with those two people in the same room. It could be a toxic situation and you would be advised not to go there. But on the whole, Christians, most of the stuff that we allow to get in the way of our worship and our relationship to God is bitterness and resentment and hard feelings that we have not taken steps to reconcile. So we want to do that. Third, when we do this, uh, remember that you are only responsible for you. I am only responsible for me. We can't change the behavior of the other person. Only God can do that. The older brother was bitter because the father accepted his younger brother back. Probably that meant that the older brother was going to lose more of his inheritance because when the son came back, the younger son, he was reinstated, he was alive, and he would still be able to claim some inheritance down the road. The, old, the older brother was very bitter. The younger brother could not change his situation. He only had to deal with his father himself. He was responsible for him. You are only responsible for you. The rest of that passage in Luke. Luke 15, verse 20-24. through 24. Bring the, the best robe and put it on him. Bring the, put a ring on his finger and his sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. But that other brother wouldn't have anything to, bo- to do about it. In verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You are only responsible for you. Now, as Jesus is teaching this in the Sermon on the Mount about bringing our gifts to the altar, those who heard it would have said, wait a minute, you're telling me that I need to leave my gift at the altar and go be reconciled? It could be days before I could get back. Or if I lay my altar down, there are so many people in the crowd at the temple out in the court where the sacrifices are offered that mine would get lost. There's no way that that can realistically happen. What are you saying here, Jesus? And I think Jesus is using hyperbole to make his point. He's saying, listen, your, your relationship with that brother or sister is so much more important than that offering that you, you would be willing to risk losing it so that you would have the ability to reconcile with your brother or sister. That's one of the things that brings it back home, is God truly desires mercy over sacrifice. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. God wants us to love Him and to love others. Yes, He wants us to bring our offerings to the altar, but what's most important is people. And that brings us to the very last thing I want us to remember today is that in all of this that we embrace the essence of Jesus. I heard these words spoken by John Maxwell several weeks ago or actually last month at uh, Global Leadership Summit. And the essence of Jesus is that Jesus values people. Jesus values people. People are more important than the offerings that we bring. And John Maxwell said... When we value people, we think of ways to add value to people. So I'm constantly wanting to think of new ways that I can add value to them. And then while I'm with them, I'm looking for ways around them that I can add value. One of my uh, best friends and I go to Friendly's once a month, and we order, usually he gets the $2 stack of pancakes, and I usually get the $4 slam. And our bill is not even, with the coffee, uh, less than $10. And when every, no matter who's waiting at our table, we leave a big old tip because we want to add value to that person. We want to make a difference in that person's day. Maybe you'll hold the door for people and smile at them. Uh, maybe uh, you will thank a service person for their service, a veteran. Thank a veteran for their service. Maybe you'll thank a firefighter for their service. Maybe you'll thank a law enforcement officer for their service. Maybe that's the way you'll add value to their day. I don't know what it would be, but when we're with them, look for ways to add value, and then just do it. Add value to people. And then we encourage others in our circle of influence to add value to people. That's the Jesus way. Let us, in our worship, Be mindful of the need for reconciliation. Reconciliation with God enables us to reconcile with others. And then we are able to worship truly and bring our offerings to the altar of God. Let's pray.